Ahoy Hoy Noiros. Out of the podcast nights, that's right. It's a nighttime. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's 7 o'clock nighttime in the summer. It just feels like a late afternoon. Yeah, I, you could say evening, I guess. All right, there you go. We got uh, Calendar Dan confirming <laughs> what, what time of day it is, and meteorologist Joey here to say it is hot. It I know is. I have a, a no weather talk, weather ban on this podcast, but... You're lifting the band for this episode. <laughs> I just, I'm letting you know why the sweat is here. That's all. Yeah, I can see it, man. Can you? Uh oh. A little bit. <laughs> Should take it a shower before the episode. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, it's okay. We're we're remote, so I I can't uh, I can't smell that's, anything. That's right why I'm now. pulling these kind of crazy tricks. Otherwise, I don't know if I'd be so brave. Yeah. I'd wear I my. You uh, still you still look good though. Don't my worry. Mitchum deodorant. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I I've been. Uh, I just finished rewatching The Critic for the first time in a really long time, and, I, and I'm did surprised. Did it stink? It did stink. Oh, yes. good. Yeah, Achi Machi. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was fun, but I was thinking, like, they, I feel like, not that necessarily make fun of them, but I, I feel like they lampooned a lot of the same, uh, like, actors over and over again, and I feel like a good Mitchum impression would have been nice. Even Not necessarily that they're poking too much fun at him, but I feel like th- that would have been a cool character to bring in. Just, like, I would love, like, somebody doing a voice of him or trying to do a voice of him. In like a loving way, not in a in a, in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, like they, a, a Bill Hader. I feel like he's really good at obscure. I mean, not that he's obscure, but to like right. America at this point, he is. Yeah, but I feel like I mean they they usually go after like Orson Welles and oh uh, boy, do they? Yeah, it's, and um, Brando, and they're usually you know they're usually pretty good with those. The, they the never met Brando. a horse that they couldn't beat past death on that show, right? What what was that? Sorry, I missed it. <laughs> they, they they love to beat a dead horse on that show so uh, oh yeah no, a bit they, they they do yeah uh it was enjoyable i remember i i realized that the first season i enjoyed a lot more than the second season i, I think it was just the writing was a lot better i think they kind of it lost its kind of oomph in the second that's one. the second guy one. who ruined the simpsons yeah that did the critic he left the simpsons you yeah. know i think after a season or two i've been like oh i have like one or two in me that's good Mm-hmm. And so he was well regarded, but then he came back, and there was a tradition of like passing the baton of showrunner after a couple years, and he came back and he was like, "No, I'm just gonna stick around here and mm-hmm. ruin the show." That's kind of yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I guess I'm being a bit of a critic. I'm sorry, Dan. It's okay. You're you're allowed to be. But yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. Like it, it was definitely like a nostalgia trip. I remember I remember watching it back in the day when it was on. And I feel like a lot yeah. of references probably went over my head, but there's definitely some good clips in there. And you said you never saw the Simpsons crossover episode of this, where he's on the, the Simpsons. No. There's a film festival in Springfield, and they find a reason to have him come be a judge. Well, that's that's the way to to get him in that, yeah. 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 Lovitz actually did a, a bunch of voices on the Simpsons. Oh, did I'd he? say, like, him and Albert Brooks probably did the most, like, and they wouldn't play the, themselves, which was good. Yeah, it was, like, other characters, yeah. Yeah, I like John Lovitz though. That guy who ruined The Simpsons from The Critic, he he would have guest stars on all the time, but they would play themselves, and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, it's it's it can be more interesting when it's just you're you're doing voices for other people. I mean, I mean, I I didn't realize like all the other voices like they had like uh, Phil Hartman was a guest on The Critic and did some voices of other characters stuff like that. They did some of that on The Critic where it's just they're playing other people. I mean, sometimes they have like Cisco. Oh, if you know Phil Hartman, you're you're getting any work you can out of him. Right. I mean, he was and, fantastic. And, and I'm sure and, he's doing anything not to hang out with that crazy wife of his, you know? Oh, yeah. Watch out, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> She's got no, I, I, I love Phil Hartman. I think he was he was really... Uh, the greatest. Super, super great. And, Do you uh, like news radio? I, I think that was his uh, greatest role of all. I vaguely remember, but I, I, don't, I don't remember it enough. Like, I, I definitely would like to revisit that, I think. I had to buy those DVDs. I was glad to, I should say. But it's yeah. not on streaming services anywhere, and... It's great. It's one of the best sitcoms of all time. And I, and I also love the, the, the little facts that he uh, did the album artwork for uh, a Poco record. Yes, he was which a graphic awesome. designer. Yeah, and he then also the had a good uh, working relationship with Paul Rubens. You know, mm-hmm. he was a co-writer of the first Pee Wee movie. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Big Adventure. It was quite large, wasn't it? It was, yes. That's, that's you know, probably my favorite one and probably the best one. This one is what it sounds like to get joy out of you, Dan, because before the podcast, we were just talking about how musically you've lost that spark. Yeah, I've lost that love and feeling. I'm putting you on recorded blast. Yeah. What's going on with you? What's it going to take? I don't know. I don't know what it is. You just got to get one out of your system? 
I was thinking maybe. I, I just don't know. I, I, I guess my relationship has changed so much with it. You know, I think it's just a different, I have such a different mentality that I had over How a year many bands now. are you in at this point? Technically three. Okay. Are you including solo project? Yeah, I'm, I'm including all of town in that, yeah. What about that project you were doing with Steph? Is that still happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know... I, I guess that's like not a, a pressures of a band, but... Yeah, it's like a band. I guess, you know, that's sort of... I mean, we did, that, we did like, a covers release, and we talked about... We did, like, one release, a single on a comp, but uh, haven't really done much since then. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll revisit that. I just I haven't... I forgot about that, honestly. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not, not like, in, in a bad way. I just, like... I forgot to just count that, you know what I mean? Like I forgot to include that in the, in the, the, the count of bands, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I feel like I just don't. I feel like it, cause you have, we, there's an only ghost in town record in, in the works. Mm-hmm. Great. But you also wrote a record that's like, you're not going to play live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be a difficult record. I think to do live. I mean, you could throw a song in for sure, but I mean, I, I mean, go for it. I'm not, saying don't but i mean it just doesn't seem like that was uh the intent no yeah i i didn't i didn't going into it i didn't have that thought process i i just kind of made the music as it was coming so i didn't really have any and this is so plan. shocking because you're such a fun performer to watch too oh, you, well, you seem you. like you're having fun doing it so i did <laughs> i just i think like i said i think just i, I feel differently now than what I was did. the last show you played was that the johnny brenda's one yeah uh, okay. Fe- February of, and that was the last, last time year. I saw you. You seem to be having fun then. Yeah. You think it's just a little, little pandemic blues? You know, you gotta get a little sunshine. Yeah, maybe maybe another show. You see, you know that that maybe that'll. Do you, you have know. anything booked? Nope. Nothing nope. Booked. Nothing booked right now. You don't gotta have practice a... first. I haven't even had a band pra- a full band practice with any any bands. You don't have that festival in October. I think we're still on that. I would say that's book then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess I guess so. I just I forgot about that too. I don't even think <laughs> about it anymore. My I know. Focus, my focus is my focus is the day to day and and uh, this podcast and and work and yeah, but you do the podcast with your record label. That's true. These are not things I want to hear. <laughs> I know. I I know. I'm I'm not. You know. I think and there's also a difference too. I mean, you can certainly promote a record and release a record without you know touring and without playing a ton of shows. I mean, I've oh, done absolutely. that most of my life. It's not to say that uh, you can't do it. Obviously but do you remember when you like you wrote a song, especially with like the old band, you know, especially the By Surprise? I feel like that's maybe where you had the most fun because it's it has been present in your life for so long, and it's mm-hmm. with you know a specific group of friends and right. the journey that you took with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't remember playing those songs and then like seeing the crowd and like, oh man, this is a good one, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it was a mix though. I, I think some some shows were like that, and some shows like. You want to you you want to bust out that low hanging wire? Isn't that what that song's called? It is. Yeah, uh, get that going, man! And everyone's like, "Yeah." We've only played that one time live. They're doing that was, the like, that was our last show. You know, they're doing the woos with you. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be nice. I feel like that record just was catching steam. Cosmic Latte now out on vinyl. Yeah, it 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 hit right before the pandemic, like end of twenty nineteen right into early 2020. The tape did, but then the vinyl just yeah. came out and it's right. doing great. I feel like it's got more listeners than ever before. Yeah. A lot of people that were like a fans of the band didn't realize that the record had come out or, you know, yeah. catching it and things are good. It was a nice There's little a wave secret. to ride, you know? Yeah. It was a nice little secret for a while. And then, and now it's, now it's secrets out. What would Patrick Swayze say? Uh, if he saw you not riding that wave. He would say, be nice. He would grab that throat and he would rip it the fuck out, Dan. <laughs> I, I feel like th- this is it. the difference between you and if me. If you're not going to sing live, Dan, then you don't. Or you haven't earned the throat, so he's going to yeah. take it, and then he's going to go rip a song out. I, I don't. I don't. What was that song from Roadhouse? Do you remember the name of it? His song. What the one that he sings? Yeah. What is that? Oh, I don't remember. I don't even remember what scene it's in. As many times as I've seen that movie, I don't even remember um, what song that is. Patrick Swayze. He had a single on um, Dirty Dancing too, right? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Is it Raising Heaven? Yeah, In Hell Tonight. tonight? In Hell Tonight, yes. (laughs) That's a great title. Yeah, I say, it's quite a a shift. You go from, you know, you're raising up heaven, and then, but it's in hell tonight. Yeah, because we're letting you know that we do bad things, but we got a good soul, you know? Well, love lift us up where we belong, I guess. So why don't you remember that when you book a show, huh? What would Patrick Swayze do? 
He'd say, ride that wave, and then also, you know, your throat is going to tighten up a little bit, and then, go, <clears throat> then maybe have, what, like little honey tea? Isn't that what you, you guys do vocally? I've actually never done that. That's good. Yeah, I've never, I've never done the honey. I've never done the hot tea. I've never it comes done natural that. to you. You don't need to exert such power. I've heard these dulcet tones on this podcast. I know. <laughs> it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural thing for me. Um, I, I sometimes I, I don't do that many vocal warmups. I maybe like a little bit, but no, not normally. I just let it ride. Ride the lightning. Yep, exactly. Well, I have joy to express. Okay, is it Fast and Furious Nine related? It will be, but I wasn't going to get right to that. Okay, that, that's what I thought. But I, we I was can. Like, waiting for it. But we can. Um, okay. It's been out for a little bit now. I mean, I'm dying to give everyone spoilers, but I say you should just go on the, the journey. Ten movies at this point, including the spinoff. There's also a short film directed by Vin Diesel I just found out about. <laughs> it's like, okay. But um, this thing is so bonkers, Dan. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible things happen. Yeah, I don't two, know. If you just, two, two thumbs up, then. Yeah, if, if you just like, like us of the generation we come from, and the one before it too, I'd say of just coming from like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, like action movies, JCVD, that you know, just have a good time. It's that, but with like they're successful, they have a huge budget. I mean, those ones somewhere too. I once I started thinking JCVD and like Seagal, I was like, all right, maybe a little less successful, but the big ones yeah. and. They have a budget for it, and it's with cars. You know, that's it. That's that's yeah. the difference. But it's just they go for it. They dream big, and it, there's just it's it was it was such a good time. It was my first movie back in the theater. Oh, I've done yeah. some drive-ins this mm. through the pandemic, but this was the first time back at the AMC in the Fashion District in uh, Philadelphia. Very that cool. was new and thriving before the world ended. And great arcade up there. That's like open till two a.m. Really? Where, it's what's not open at the moment? What's on? That's on market. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to that one. They just kind of, it just yeah. s- started, like I said, and then the yeah. pandemic hit. Yeah, they built a new AMC in there. And yeah, there's this uh, this crazy looking arcade that just was fully lit up but closed. And <laughs> will be open till two. I do know someone who's gone there before and was hyping it. So I'm excited for that. Fast 9 totally has my recommendation. It's a dumb fun. There's nothing better. I love dumb fun. Yeah. I'll pay any price for that for the most part. But also, I, from watching last week's movie, I was just like still hype on Robert Ryan. Criterion, like I said, had a like a little eight film spotlight of his. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still up by the time this comes out. So sorry if I'm hyping something that's not there. Hopefully. But <laughs> I watched Clash by Night because I wanted to see him and Barbara Stanwyck together. Okay, how was that? And also had Marilyn Monroe in it. Ooh. Who maybe we'll be seeing again soon. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was interesting. It was, it was mostly good. Yeah, he gets. You think he, he's been racist before? He, he gets. He does some peak racism in this. Oh one, wow, um, which is a bit of a shame. But I, I really like Marilyn Monroe. And it was. It was a bit part, but she was great. Awesome. Stanwick always awesome. Was that like fifty two? I think. Let's find out. I thought. I think it is. I mean, I've definitely heard of that movie. I've never seen it though. Fifty two on the dot, sir. I am. I am on the dot. So it's good. I want to. I want to hopefully watch more of them. I mean, most of them we've seen, of course. Crossfire, Setup, and Odds mm-hmm. Against Tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get get another of his in. I do. I do like Robert Ryan a lot. So I, yeah, for sure. Today almost was a Robert Ryan. Oh, almost. Yeah. But you're gonna have to wait for that one. I was gonna say, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be good though. I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm just excited to see him again. I haven't seen that one, but Dan has. I think we have some good actors in this one though that we're talking about today. Today's movie. Yeah. I don't know. At I don't least, know if there's any some, some of my favorites at familiar least. faces in this. We have Lever to Heaven is today's movie. This is one we've been excited to get to for, for quite a bit. A fan favorite. Definitely one that, yeah, I was surprised we didn't get to sooner, but also was just, it had come out last year, 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was a little fresh still for us. Mm-hmm. I remember you had got it when the Criterion had come out. Mm-hmm. And then you told me that it was great. And this is before we had started talking of this podcast mm. maybe just maybe a little talking i don't know we did yeah. we did brainstorm this quite a bit for a while i was like okay i'll check that out a color noir technicolor even i gotta see this 1945 too which is like super yeah. early yeah exactly not when you would expect it and even looking at it it looks like a 50s movie it I does it's, it has a very otherworldly vibe to it in a way it's almost very much surreal. So. yeah it is surreal 
I, I'm going to declare it, sir. Yes. <laughs> we got Jean Tierney, my favorite movie of hers. She's I great say, at Step aside, Laura. This is the one. <laughs> this is the performance. It's just like every time everyone's like, hey, Laura, it's like, have you seen Leave Her to Heaven? She was at this. This is she was nominated for it, Oscar. Yeah, the only time she ever Her got only nominated. time yep. uh, she did lose out to Mildred Pierce. That's a toughie, though. Yeah, same year. You know, yeah. that's that's tough. That's a great performance too. It really is, and I ultimately say, pro- it's tough, but they're different roles, you know. Yeah, but I, I think this is. I think you're right. I think this is like dynamically. She's 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 much more dynamic in this in this yes. movie for sure. I definitely agree with that. And it was only one year later from Laura, right? At least mm-hmm. its release. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a whole. She's like learned a whole world of new tricks between that time. Mm-hmm. Like she, I guess she just was like, I want to do everything I didn't do in Laura because she was dissatisfied with that performance, as right. as we know. And she was great. This is this is the one. You also yeah. have Cornell Wilde, who you've been delving into since we did Roadhouse, yes. our old friend from Roadhouse. Big fan. Yes. And how is this now, having gone back and seen it now with that lens? Did you enjoy him more? I did. I mean, he, I think he plays it pretty well. I, I, I wouldn't think... say it's his best performance, but no. I don't know. It's not any fault of his. It's just really what's... He, it gets better for him yeah. towards the end once, you know, all the hijinks ensue, but... Right. Kind of the lead up, it's a little like, it's fine. It's very serviceable, but. Exactly. I think the character itself, it didn't, I don't think it allowed him to do too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I that think, was all that was demanded out of him. Right. What was demanded from him, I think he did well. But yeah, I think, you know, he kind of, this was earlier on for him. So later on, I, I've been definitely, like you said. Was this kinda, before Roadhouse? Yes. So this was 45. Okay. Roadhouse was 48. So this is three years prior to, to Roadhouse. Wow. And you would think totally after just because of the Technicolor. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 such a bizarre thing. Uh, I think uh, looking back at it, but yeah, I, I like him. Uh, one thing I really want to get into. Hopefully, we get to do it this this winter, like later in the year. Is uh, he uh, starred and directed a, a movie called Storm Fear? That's it, Ooh, from, sounds chilly. Yeah, from the mid fifties. Got to keep that talk up on these uh, hot days. Maybe we should have watched that anyways. Exactly. We should go get, get a little Christmas in July. Maybe, early, maybe you know. we might have to wait a whole year, Dan, for this next one. Then I hope not, because it's great. I, I really enjoyed it, and he yeah he was all all up in that movie. So hopefully we get to it. But yeah, I I, I like him in general. I, the two the two of them together, you know, both starring in, in in a movie. Yeah, I'm I'm in it. You know, that's a sure thing. That's a sure thing for me. Yeah. Directed by John M. Stahl. Mm-hmm. Produced by William Bachter and Daryl Zanuck. Our old our friend. Old friend. <laughs> Screenplay by Joe Swelling, based on the novel of the same name by Ben Ames Williams. This was actually purchased by Daryl Zanuck before the book had even come out. Wow. So it must have been something pretty special. I think it was. Cinema- cinematography by Leon Shamroy. Gotta, gotta point him out. He did a great job in this one. Definitely. Also, he won the Oscar for this and three other movies, as we'll get into, but they're all Technicolor. He's a master of Technicolor. And this was released, if hey, if it's Zanuck, it must be 20th Century Fox, right? Yep. And this was Christmas Day, 1945. What a time to be alive, Dan. What a Christmas. Yes. Would have been a great Christmas for me. Yeah, what do you think would have been under the stocking for you? In 1945? Yeah. I don't know. BB gun? I'm not a very violent person, so probably not. It probably you would like, have been in 1945. You probably were coming back from the war. <laughs> Depends you on know, what age. You're what enlisting, age I and been. you're like, I'm not a very violent person. And then you know, you come out, and then you're Robert Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would have. That's a good question. You're very lucky, Dan, that you didn't have to live in an age that would have uh, hardened you. Yes. No, I, I, I agree. You get to stay soft unless it comes to performing on a stage again. Yes. Exactly. Then you're, then you're hard boiled. <laughs> then, then I eat my spinach and I become Popeye. Nothing wrong with that. It's good, <laughs> it's good for you, sir. Yep. Build strong bones, right? Exactly. I'm sure that and milk, right? Yep, and they, and they expand suddenly. <laughs> Is that what that was? Was bones? It wasn't muscles. I guess it was muscles. Yeah. Maybe it was bones. Maybe it was everything. If it was just straight bone. He's punching you with bone. I mean, ow. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Boy, that's some sailor man, huh? Yeah. Toot so, toot toot, we're on the train traveling to New Mexico. We have Richard Harlan, who is played by Cornell Wilde, and then Ellen Barrent. She is, of course, Jean Tierney. Mm-hmm. And she, she's coming, is she from Boston or coming from Boston? I mean, I guess 
Yeah, it's coming, Could coming be from... True of both, huh? Yep. So she's reading a book. She keeps staring at Richard because as she reveals, he reminds her of her father back when uh, he was younger. <laughs> she's yeah. got a real thing with her father, as you yes. can see. Yes, she does. Uh, Daddy's going to be sticking around even though we never meet him. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that book you're reading because she's, she's reading your book. Mm-hmm. And oh, and speaking of books, you get a title sequence with the novel yep. cover, and I like that. I always like that. And you see that throughout when they go to different locations. Throughout yeah, the movie. yeah, very nice interludes f- for locations. That, that was a nice touch. It's no odds against tomorrow, which is still the high water mark. Beat yes. out Vertigo, even I would say. Yes, and just of just awesome, but a nice time. I like a good novel title sequence. So yes, the book is back. Well, not that book, but a book, and. He says something and he's like quoting the book and he's like, oh, you must like this more than you think. But it turns out, hey, wait a second. That guy wrote the book. Yes. That's a good twist. Yeah. No, I like I like the banter that they have on the train. It's very, you like very twist, good. Dan? I do. Well, I like it because you could set you see the setup coming, you know, like I think you see you see it coming, but you know that she's not. Well, I hope you yet. like some of these twists coming up, but you're not going to see them coming. I guarantee it. That's Maybe true. Maybe you and I, because we're familiar with such a film. But right. Wow, you think you're on a train now? Get ready for the roller coaster, but it's gonna be a runaway train, never coming well, back. It's definitely on a one-way track. Yes. Absolutely, that can be confirmed. Yes, I think we've done this bit before, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it's so good. Well, let's bring it back. That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it was a hit, you know. Yeah, we got a lot the of bit, fa- I we mean, got a lot of snail mail from it. I remember. Yeah, oh God, the charts were were blowing up, and by charts I mean uh, unread emails in the inbox. Yes, yes. Why, like, he, like, shows up, like, why was he coming to, like, he was hired by someone, or is just, like, to write there in the... He was going to visit. He was going to visit because he's friends with the, the uh, that lawyer. So I guess okay. we should, we may, may want to step back just a, a tad, which I, I will say I do like this device, is that the very beginning, it actually prefaces with what will end up being the end, and it's the lawyer and another guy. Right, right, the, right. The lawyer's retelling the story of what happened to this guy. So it's basically, like, a third party, almost, like mostly removed from it recalling this whole story which is kind of fascinating and also um, it's a book yes so it's opening two books so we're we're watching a visual book a novel yes and then also we have <laughs> it's super meta <laughs> a narrator <laughs> yes who's in the yeah. in the movie itself yes but yeah anyway so yeah he's going to visit that lawyer's house in new mexico um okay. and and uh, we find out that Ellen and her, what we find out is her, basically her They're getting off at the same stop and mother, at the, yeah, on the train, yes. Because they're going together, they're actually going to the same place. Right. What a coincidence. Yep. Huh? Unbeknownst to each other. You wonder if it was a coincidence <laughs> or not. And Ellen is back in New Mexico to spread her father's ashes. He had passed. Yes. The mother is there, and then also her cousin Ruth, who was adopted. Mm-hmm. And that'll play into everything. Yes. Of course. And so there's an ash-spreading scene on horseback that is just awesome and insane all at once. Oh, yeah. It's very, very weird. <laughs> it's very, yeah. It's it's so weird. I don't know if it was supposed to be weird at the time. I don't know. Because it is also very cool. She does it amazingly. Yeah. It's it's Jean Tierney, so she's beautiful as all hell yes. throughout the movie and, and in color. So yeah, you get a little extra treat there. Yes. Looking great on a horse and just doing like a like Olympic style, like like a shot put or something, you know, like side to side and yeah, yeah, very cool and strange. Again, and everybody's watching her from afar on horses. Even Cornell Wilde is is on the periphery watching. Yes, they start to fall for one another in love, if you will. Well, he notices that she has a ring. Yes, and what is the deal with that ring, Dave? She's engaged, that belong to? she's engaged to be married to Vincent Price, another old friend. An of ours. old friend, Vincent Price, yes. How crazy is that that one year later the, the gang is back again? I would say I like Vincent Price better in Laura, but he's mm-hmm. fine in this. I mean, this really, it, I mean, the director, he was famous for like women's films, like yes. mm-hmm. uh, movies that focused on issues regarding women. And so. He definitely came in bringing that eye, and it, you know, it's it's focused on on the women characters for the most part. It makes sense that these guys aren't necessarily have such a bombastic performance, you know, yes. because it, there's just no need for it. I'd say the the director is a very subtle director too. Oh yes, despite the script and, and what everything calls for. I mean, even like at the, at the craziest of scenes, like he's just you just feel like calmness with the camera. Definitely. 
So. And I think that's what makes it such a unique film, especially in, like a, in a film noir lens. You know? I would say, and it's not just because it's in color, but you, you've not seen a film noir like this one. Definitely. And I will say the Criterion version looks fantastic. I mean, the print looks absolutely amazing. Beautiful 2K print design. Pretty okay. I mean, you know, the art's fine, but they picked a, a great moment, of course. I, I like it. I, 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 I almost I, wish it yeah. was just a photo, you know? It, that's all. Well, the inside has a photo of her, which I, I love. Great you, design on there. And then, yeah, of the course, inside. Yeah. you have an essay from my Twitter friend, Megan Abbott. So shout out to her. Oh, cool. She's got a new novel coming out. I don't know the name, but get it. Shout it out. Shout it out. And she actually, she was the first one I heard about this movie from. And okay. when you, you had said it was good, I'm like, well, there's my one-two punch. Yep. So I'm, I'm going for it. I, I mean, really, I was always going to go for it, but it was like, I'm stepping up the timetable. Right. I remember I used a Criterion coupon on this one. Very good. It was like not long after the hype had come in that I was like, I just, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I'm, do it. I'm doing it. So yeah, things, things are going well. The ring is on and we meet Russell Quinton. Of course, because it's Vincent Price, relationship between <laughs> him and Gene Tierney isn't going well. That's a precedent that's been set. Mm-hmm. She had removed it. So she just removed it in like a very like subtle scene with her in the pool with him. And you could sense that they were kind of falling in love with each other. Yeah, she had decided pretty instantly that what her intentions were with him. Yes. She is the one that makes all of these moves moving forward, Yes, as, as you'll see. So yeah, they're they're separated, and he he comes in unexpectedly. I will say, I wonder if the lesson of these movies is just stay with Vincent Price, right? <laughs> well, no. So she, so what happened was, yeah, she contacted him. She sent him a telegram, and he instantly flew out. As to, she does, he uh, he's yeah. very much in love with her, and he will he will do what it takes. This yeah. will continue on. He will respond to letters, as we'll see. Overnight, like overnight, he just flew oh, yes. out. He's like immediately, he's like, boom, I'm got I'm that going big to New city lawyer money in him. Yeah. I guess, but then you see you see them caught walking hand in hand down the steps of that insane interior. There's a, there's some fantastic interiors in this film, but the one in New Mexico in particular, that house, that interior is amazing. But I but mean, them walking down steps hand in hand, and he sees her like you, you're like oh uh oh. <laughs> I remember I remember saying that out loud. Watching, I was like, even though I've seen it before, I'm just like I was like oh man, like you just see it, you see it coming. Actually, though, Ellen, she says that she and Richard are going to be married. Although Cornell Wilde didn't know it at the time. No, he did not. <laughs> but I will say I will say this, and I had this thought last night watching this. I was like, if I were him in that situation and Gene Jeremy asked me to marry on spot, I would not have said no. <laughs> I would have said yes. Inst- I would not have thought about it. Now look here, Ellen. Darling, will you marry me? Why, you unpredictable little... M- And I'll never let you go. Never, never, never. John Stahl would agree with you as well, because during that scene, Cornell Wilde actually had trouble reacting convincingly to those advances. But each time they did it, apparently the crew was so impressed, they gave her the old uh, wolf call, (laughs) the old whistle. And uh, John Stahl finally said, quote, they all seem to understand how that scene should be played. Why can't you? (laughs) Exactly. I, I mean, I don't, I don't get how he couldn't react. I mean, I would react like, oh, all right, <laughs> sure. When, when did, and where? Well, didn't he marry someone he did a, a film noir with at one point? In a, in a movie, while? In the plot or in real life? We in real life, like someone he met like during the filming of one. It was at him. I remember when I was looking for fun I, facts for this, I, I saw somebody. You might be right. And uh, they got divorced. So, but he, it may have been around this time. And he may have. Uh, Maybe, maybe that made him uh, it's it's been, t- tough for him to play that character. Just my friend Gene Tierney, you know? Yeah, let me see. Uh... Yeah, he married actress Patricia Knight in 1937. She starred alongside him in, in Shockproof in 1949, which is much later. Okay, so you know what? Who knows what this crazy man was thinking. He married Gene Wallace. That Maybe that's who it was, because I think they may have met. They, I mean, they, they starred in the big combo together. And then she also starred in the in Beach Red, which was in the '60s, which she directed and starred in as well. So maybe it was maybe it was actually Gene Wallace. That that would make more sense, I think. Sure, somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody took those eyes away. So they get married, get married in Georgia, and then they head to Richards. He's got this beautiful lodge on the lake in, in Maine. 
Well, actually, they got married. So they got married in New Mexico, and they went on honeymoon briefly in Taos, New Mexico, and then they went to Georgia to visit Danny, his brother, first. Yes, and we meet Danny, the brother. He he, he um he's gonna throw a wrench in the works. Yes, and they don't explain what happened to his legs because he says they don't. He doesn't have use of his legs, but they don't. No, mention. but he also seems to slowly get better too. Like, or at least. Yeah. You a know, little bit. He's yeah, making he, progress, you know. Yes. They he got this this lodge in, in northern Maine. It, it's a, a beautiful lodge. Really sings with that Technicolor. I mean, this is where you want to end up. And and Roadhouse was in Maine, wasn't it? They Did don't we mention. It. I remember we had that we had that uh, that debate because we knew it was somewhere near the border with Canada, obviously, but we didn't know if that was northeast or northwest. Uh, I, I don't remember what we decided. I'll have to go back and and look at our notes or, or listen to our... We'll our, have to call the Cornell Wild Estate and see what they have to say. About I, I wish I could do that. If I, if I had that number and I could call it, I would do it. I think you are the number. Yeah, maybe I need to be that. Maybe I, maybe I am the foundation. I don't realize it. I mean, I, I think so. Is he the one you're most taken with these days? Um, I'm definitely a fan. I, I think he... I find him very interesting. Like He became a very idiosyncratic auteur slash actor... Like where he would have these vehicles where he, you know, with the Naked Prey and with Beach Red and, and Storm Fear, where he'd be, have his hands on in everything in the production, including, mm-hmm. you know, starring in it. It just, it, it's very fascinating, you know, especially later in his career. Yeah, I just find it very interesting. I mean, as did Ida Lupino from Roadhouse. That it would exactly. Have, interesting exactly. that they both went into that field. Would have been nice if they had like an interview together, you know, that yeah. podcast, huh? Listen to those two. Yes. Oh, man. If there were podcasts in the 60s. Yeah. That's a good time. And actually, when this movie was announced, Ida Lupino was rumored. They, they, they thought that she might be cast in it. But hmm, that would just, be interesting. Just a rumor, so no need yeah. to, to get too excited here. Okay. So, I'll you try, know. I'll try to stave that excitement. <laughs> please, please, Dan. I mean, I will say this. I love Ida Lupino, but Gene Tierney, I also love. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. You know, while it'd be interesting to see some other performances, I, I don't know. It's her movie. I mean, this, this is the one for her. Yeah. There's some uh, other ones I feel like that we could do with her in it that I, I feel like I Sure, could, I mean, no, there's other good times, but this is her greatest performance. I mean, so much is asked of her, and she just delivers in spades. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen Whirlpool, though, have you? You think Whirlpool <laughs> is better than this? I think I like her in that movie a lot. I don't know if it's better. I think she's very good in it, though. I would say that might be a contender. I think that's an underrated film noir, so maybe we'll get to that at some point. Okay, we'll see. And Where the Sidewalk Ends, I think she's really good in, too. So maybe... She has a better performance in that than this? I'm gonna have to do like a. I'm gonna do like a bracket. I'll have to do like an Excel spreadsheet where I. I mean, that's what I, I'm asking. I, right? I rank her performances. All right, I'll, I'll have. I'll have that to you. Is there one you can place above? Because I say no personally, but I. I know there's also some I haven't seen. So yeah, I'd have there. Yeah, I, I, being a, a pretty big Gene Tierney fan, it's tough. I. Th- I think she is very good in this. So I, I. I'll have to do some some soul searching and some thought. But you know, I'll. I'll. I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. So yeah, things are looking good in this marriage at first, but we're we're starting to figure out that Ellen is loving. <laughs> yes, very uh, very loving. A bit obs- obsessive. Yes, yes. A bit jealous. Oh, absolutely! Extremely jealous of everybody, of yeah. Danny, of of her family, of even her love of her husband. In in a way, you know, it's a very. It's a very interesting spin in general. There's one more that she'll be jealous of, but we'll get to it. Yes. A character who isn't, hasn't been introduced yet and won't be introduced. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you get Ellen's family comes into town and, you know, her mother's like, Oh, by the way, I know you're married now, but heads up. She can be a bit much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then Danny comes to live there much to Jean Tierney's, protest she tries at the hospital she's talking to the doctor and tries to convince him like i don't know if it'll be good for his care you know we're gonna be very far away from everything but then she starts to reveal like maybe it's me yeah yeah she wants to be alone one of the only times that she's kind of honest she's really grappling with this she hasn't gone you know full till ellen yet Yeah, and then Cornell like, Wilde walks in, and then she's like, "Oh, didn't you hear the news? You know, the doctor consented to it. It's fine." Yeah, the, doctor, he, the doctor's like, "Wait a second. Yeah, you just, what? You were just talking about not having him come." So this write-up says that Danny had polio. Oh, okay. Which would make sense. Yeah, um, I mean that would definitely paralyze could paralyze your legs. Yes. But he's able to swim around. Yes. A little bit. He's mm-hmm. figuring it out. 
Well, we, as we mentioned, yeah, I mean, he, even even towards the end of his time at the hospital, I mean, he was starting to walk on crutches with help of Ellen. Like, she was really an advocate for helping him. Danny loves Ellen. Yeah, she does. Yeah, they have a, they, they start a bond. I, I don't know if they start a bond, but Danny starts a bond. I think at first she does like him, but I think over time what As long as he's is, not coming to live there. Right, exactly. He's a I fun think, person to visit. She right. just wants to be alone with this guy, and this guy loves people. He can't get enough of them. Yes. I think that's the distinction you have to make. I think she does at first. I think she does like and care for him, but well, especially because she's like, "Hey, you know, we we got people to, you know, we're gonna. He's got to work on the book because that's the thing. Like, she really wants Richard to finish this his second book. Mm-hmm. He's been working on it, and there's so many distractions. Yes. Oh no. No what? Good grief. Will you marry me, he said. What's wrong with that? In the first place, men never propose. They may think they do, but it's really the woman. Who told you that, Ripley? And if men do propose, they never say, will you marry me? Get away, get away, Gadfly. Did you ever propose to a woman? Hundreds of them. When you proposed to Enid Southern... Who told you about Enid Southern? Did you say, will you marry me? I didn't propose to her. Did she propose to you? Beat it, will you? How did you propose to me? Uh, I... You didn't. I propose to you. Like this. Remember? Okay, I'll marry you. Right after I finish my chapter. I hate your chapter. I hate all your chapters. They take up too much of your time. Funny thing, that's what my publisher says. No, I'm serious. After all, it isn't as if you had to write for a living. I've got more than enough for both of us. And, darling, it's the dearest wish of my heart to support you. Is that bad? Oh, darling. I didn't know it would be so wonderful here, back in the moon. You like it here, do you? Every minute. If only it weren't so crowded. Crowded? Why, this is the most remote, uninhabited place east of the Mojave. I mean the cabin. Not that I mind chaperones, not in the least. But there's Danny's room on one side of us, and Thorne's room on the other side, and the walls as thin as paper, and the acoustics disgustingly perfect. Well, at least nobody snores. Do you know, ever since we've been married, we've never been alone, not for a single day. So mm-hmm. she, she even suggests at one point that, well, I don't know, like Danny could stay somewhere or something, but like he wouldn't be with them anymore. Yes, and, she, uh, well, she was trying to get him to go to the, uh, the Bar Harbor in Maine, where her family lives. She was trying to get him to go you know, ahead and trying to make him sound like how nice it was there. Yeah, and maybe and, he'd stay behind for a little bit. And he's like, no, right. I don't think so. I'm going to stay here. I, we got a good thing going. Like, so and you see her face like, oh, that's yeah. not what I wanted. Yeah. And so she's like, this this kid's got to go. Yeah. I also want to mention that the uh, the actor that plays uh, Leek Thorne, which also has a great, na- you know, character name. He's like the uh, the. Well, he has a great character helper. name, but he has a great real name too. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah. <laughs> Chill Wills. I saw Chill that in the Wills. credits, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yes. That, and, no, as and, soon as that popped up, I mean, I was like, this is great. And I'm sure I said it the first time I saw it, yes. too. I mean, come Every on. time. I, I, I don't know. I'll have to look more into Chill Wills. I apologize. I didn't research him enough, but uh, I would love it's to a see nickname. him come back. It's a nickname. I, I, well, yeah, yeah, Dan. I know I did research that much. Okay. <laughs> I clicked it. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't know if he comes up in any more film noir. I didn't delve that deep. I did look. He seemed like he was very it's a big nickname. Of course, they didn't name him Chill. Hey, maybe his parents thought he was just going to be a chill person. I don't know. <laughs> this baby just ain't crying, and they're like, "Yeah, we come on. What else could we call him? Let's call him Chill. He's Hell very yeah. chill. Maybe He's, he was pretty chill in this. Yeah, he was. Uh, and I, I think he had a cool voice too when he did that little guitar playing and stuff like that. Hell yeah, his great song. Yeah, the clip of the song. Oh, 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 we've got a mule down on our place. We put this mule in the derby race. At the crack of the gun, he took to the rail. He flew with his ears and he stared with his tails. <laughs> and that was a nice scene, too. I mean, I, I don't know if we're necessarily jumping. I don't think we're jumping too far ahead, really. We'll but... go for it because we're back. We're going to the boat. So if you got anything you want to say. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of some stuff in, in the house. Well, basically, right before that, he has Cornell Wilde surprises Ellen with uh, bringing her family, so her cousin and her mother, to visit without telling her. And she gets really upset by it, because she, again, Yeah, she, well, that's what I said. That's when the mom yeah. gives the heads up that right. she's a little... Right. Everything that we've been seeing on the screen. 
exactly. But they're all kind of hanging out one night and she's kind of like in the background and Cornell Wilde's kind of, you know, they're all kind of near the fire and they're all having a fun time singing and, and having fun. And she seems like she's just out in the periphery and, and not, you know, it feels like she can't be with her husband. And, and It's a tough call because, you know, on one hand, you can't be just dropping surprises like this. You barely know this woman. So you don't know her relationship with their family other than right. she really loves her dad. Uh, yeah. They, they say there's a lot of like Greek allegories Allegory, in this yeah. movie and and one of course would be the electric complex so mm-hmm. there you go but on the other hand too it's like hey i'm hanging out with your family yeah <laughs> chill why yeah. can't you be a chill wills over here exactly huh? be like chill wills <laughs> so you know who else is pretty chill ellen when uh he's because okay so when he's starting to talk about like oh i'm gonna stay around here forever is in the boat and so she's just like, hey, why don't you go for a swim? You're getting really good at it there, buddy. Yeah. And uh, he goes for it. And he's even like, you know, hey, I'm getting a little tired. It's colder than I expected. And she's like, no, 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 you're doing great. Why don't you even stay afloat and rest a little bit? And he, I'll guide you. I'll guide yeah, you. Don't worry about looking. I got you. I'm right here in the boat. I'm your yeah. old friend, Ellen. What's <laughs> the worst that can happen? What am I going to? You're going to start to drown and I'll just sit here watching you with a face so cold they'll put it on the cover of the box it's it's hard when like i i you know i've seen this movie and you know what happens but every time it's still it's still very sinister like it, it's yes. in like in a very quiet way like it's it's so yeah there's no music really playing yeah. over it and, and this i mean this is especially what i'm talking about where it's a subtle direction like yeah they just they let her expression and of course the genius of the the genius tyranny uh just do her thing and and it's amazing. It's- well, and that the little affectation with, with putting the sunglasses on just as she, just like she puts that on and yep. then that whole sequence starts. So it's like kind of like this whole mask or like this oh, almost like a changing of Yeah, like, you can't persona. see anything, but you right. can see, yeah, you can't, you can't see anything, but you can see everything. It's, right. it's brilliant. And then so <laughs> once it's like, okay, he's definitely dead. She's like, oh, 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 Danny. And then dives screams, in after yeah. him. And then and Cornell West comes in after him. But wow. He's dead. Um, so, of course, this scene, we have some fun facts to talk about. Daryl Hickman played young Danny with polio, and the water was so cold that he actually caught pneumonia. Thanks for really committing to an old friend. And, of course, because this scene is so crucial, they really wanted to get it just right. So the Saturday night before doing the scene again, John Stahl had asked Gene Tierney to let's work through the scene. I want to make sure we get it right with the cinematographer. So, you know, we figured out how to light it and the staging. They did it. And after his words, the director was so upset because he, he was like, this is so perfect. There's no way we'll ever get it again. But yeah. Gene Tierney was such a pro. Of course, she, she killed it. Yeah. Also, during the drowning scene, the director was so tough on Daryl Hickman. He would never refer to him by name. He would call him boy or son mm-hmm. the entire time. And then eventually the 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 rushes had come back to Daryl's Zanuck and he was like, this is incredible. I love it so much. You're making me proud over here, my friend. All of a sudden, Stahl was like, oh, Hickman's the greatest. Uh, this guy, he's great. And he started calling Cornell Wild son and boy because yeah. Yeah, you got to get it out of your system somehow, right? Yeah, he shifted it over to Cornell Wild. I guess he was still remembering that that scene where he wasn't uh, playing well with the marriage proposal. So maybe he, he, he was like, all right, maybe I'm going to go out after this guy instead. I could see there being a bit of uh, annoyance between the two of them, and maybe that's yeah. why we didn't get as much out of Cornell Wilde that we could have. But yeah, but again, I think, like you said before, I mean, I, you know, his focus for most of his career as a director was more on, on women and and the women's film, so that kind of makes sense too. Maybe he was kind of just like not necessarily avoiding him, but was more focused on the women in, in the film. Absolutely, as he should. Yeah. So Danny's dead. Dan is alive, but Danny is dead. Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> this is where we uh, cut to a clip of Still Alive, right? Yes. <laughs> Dan, do you going to do a cover of that? This is where we cut to Dan's cover of Still Alive. No, I, I'll do a cover of Rock and in the Free how, World. That's how you come back to live music. That's what you yes. debut with. Just you come out with a, with an acoustic and you do I'm Still Alive and then it'll all of a sudden you hit a pedal and you're doing ro- Keep on Rocking in the Free World. I might be able to transition that. I can make that work. Okay. And then you have to play like your own stuff afterwards. Yeah. It'll be a tough calm down <laughs> after all that though. You ever listen to uh, that 
She's the One soundtrack that Tom Petty did? I remember it, but I don't, I don't remember any of the songs off. I remember it coming out. There's, I was always familiar with it, too, but I finally decided to listen to it because I found out he covers Beck, uh, One Foot in the Grave era song. Oh, really? What song? He, he does Asshole. Really? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Cool. So, so I, I suggest that to you and our listeners. Too. I will definitely check that out. That, and that, you can that's play cross, that. That's a cross-section of my interests. There you go. <laughs> Tom Petty and, and uh, Beck on, on K Records era. <laughs> I know. I had all the songs to cover. That, yeah. that, was, that was a great touch, too. So yeah. shout out to both those guys. Beck, yeah. not a Scientologist anymore, apparently. We apparently. Found that, right? Yes, we, we, we discovered that. We're alleging. Alleged. And also we're alleging that Danny's death was an accident. <laughs> at least at this point. At this point. And Eleanor, boo-hoo, she's so sad about it. We're going to go ahead and move to Bar Harbor. Yeah. You know, hey, Richard does not seem to be getting over the fact that his brother drowned. Yeah. And, not surprised. Uh, he has a lot of questions about it, as we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of is silently questioning it at, yeah. at this point. What's the best thing to do? Well, old Ruth suggests, who Ruth is going to be coming into play now that we're here at, at Bar Harbor. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, Richard's going to want a kid. So you know what? You should get pregnant. Right, because Ellen, they still portray Ellen as like she, you know, she realizes now that like yeah, she she did that, and she was trying to get closer to Cornell Wilde, but in the end, it kind of yeah, just a separated them, you know, yep. kind of separated them. So she's trying to you know find ways to you know because she still loves him and loves him to the point where like she she'll do anything. She's so desperate. She does love the yeah. idea of being in love with him. Yes. Yes. So so Got she him. decides to have a, a kid, which I, I think she's very reluctant, as we'll we'll learn. Yeah, she does not seem to be someone Doked on it. Yeah, who wa- would want a kid? Uh, she calls it a little beast, of course. Yes. So you know what? She's like, this was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> this thing's gotta go. Mm-hmm. So she she puts on her shoes. She kicks up the rug at the top of the stairs, and then uh, she takes a purposeful spill. The, the, this is what you always heard, of course, back in the day. You you throw yourself down the stairs for for a miscarriage, a, a home yeah. abortion, and she did it. Yeah, another scene where it's like it plays it out. I've very... never seen this in a movie before. No, I, I haven't either. And and like I said, it it plays it very quietly. Like I mean, I mean, there's 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 some um, a little bit. I think there's a little bit of music and there's the anticipation of it, but it's very. There's that horror scream when she falls down the right. stairs. But it's still, there's like almost like in a way, it's very stillness to it. It's it's a very odd thing. But I guess we should also mention it that at this time, there's a little bit of like an inkling of uh, some type of friendship brewing over a little bit of time with Cornell Wilde and, and Ruth as well. Yes. I, I think, and we start to see that and that will play into to later in the movie. That will. But first I want to say that at this time with the miscarriage, I mean, this was still during the code era. Mm-hmm. So they had to, it was very tough. They got an approval of the draft of the screenplay, but... The PCA strongly cautioned the studio about the miscarriage, quote, it will be absolutely essential to remove any flavor that Ellen plans to murder the unborn child merely because she is mishappy. Mishappy. Yes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Unhappy. Yes. Miserable. I guess they say things fancy then, or that's a hell of a typo. Anyways, continuing the quote, it should definitely be established that her reason for murdering her, the child is that she thinks the newborn replace her in her husband's affections. They, Somehow that would justify it for them yeah, better. Yeah, and they subtly put that in there, but, you know, if you're watching the movie, you know that's not the case. Right. And so, yeah, they also say this is important to, in order to avoid any of the flavor, they keep saying flavor, which is mostly why I'm like, let's really bring bizarre. up this quote, <laughs> that is normally connected with what could be termed abortion. Yes. So, there you go. And now we're watching Ruth and Richard. They're, they're falling in love. Richard's working. He's trying to get this book done, especially to you know, work his way through the grief. And, and, and Ruth has been wonderful. She helps him finish the book. And, of course, you know, like Ellen's recovering, too. You know, she's, yeah. she, she's, she's done for a little bit. But, yeah, she helps him finish the book. The book comes out, and there's a dedication in there to – what was it? To the girl with the hoe? Girl with the hoe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds nicer in the book. Because it's it's a, it was a name that uh, nickname that was given to uh, Ruth because uh, she liked to garden. A lot. You see Ellen go like right to that dedication too, expecting it to be her, and it's not. She's like, could it be? Like, is this me? Uh, yeah, of course yeah. I'm the girl with the hoe. I I always use that hoe, but it's not her. It's, it's not Ruth. Ellen. 
because Ruth loves the garden, of course, and uh, he's talking about Mexico in this book, and then Ruth decides to go to Mexico. Seems a little fishy. Yes, it does. She's so, trying to deny everything, but it's clear. And uh, She gets very jealous at this point. She gets jealous. I mean, as we'll learn, she never really liked Ruth, but this didn't help anything. Yeah. So they have a huge argument, and Ruth takes off, but Richard overheard everything, mm-hmm. and they, they then get into it. And he's now suspicious of Ellen, and he's like, you definitely killed Danny, and you definitely killed this kid that we were going to have that was pretty much the only thing keeping me on board with you. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so he, he confronts her about it, and she admits, saying, yeah, oops, I let him drown. <laughs> Not, you know, she, she doesn't seem to feel anything about yeah. it. She just she just out says it and everything and you just like you see his reaction just like I mean he's like how do you react to that you know it's like he didn't blow up anything but he was very like quiet about it you know what I mean like I think he was just like I maybe he just didn't know how to react to it I don't I don't know but yeah he just is like you know I'm, I'm I'll figure this out he's kind of like yeah. compartmentalizing and uh, it just kind of heads out and he's not gonna he can't go after her there's not enough evidence so. Yeah, Richard takes off, and then Ellen, she, she picks up the pen. She says, I'm, I'm in the mood to write a letter. So she writes a letter to Russell, who is now a, the county district attorney. He's a, a big shot, even bigger city lawyer now. Mm. And she says, Ruth is trying to kill me. <laughs> so sends off that letter. Ruth's off to a picnic with Ellen's mom. And Ellen. During, well, no, because at that point, Ellen is, she, she takes a little little sugar with arsenic in it on right. purpose she poisons well, herself well no so yes but so and then goes to the picnic they, yeah the three of them go to the picnic together and that's where it actually occurs right i want to make that distinction yeah uh, so then yeah she she poisons herself and then all of a sudden you know she's she's in bed it's not going well she's for dying. her yeah she's yes and she's unsavable uh, as she's dying she says richard you gotta you got to promise me that I'll be cremated and you got to scatter my ashes. You remember where we, I did that cool thing on the horse when we did the, with the yeah. ash scatter. You got to do that. Probably the same way, right? Get up on that horse and and, and do that. Yes. Same <laughs> Wave way. me around. Yes. Same way. And he says, of course you're dying. I got you. So she dies. Mm-hmm. She journey dead. She yes. killed herself. Suicide. She killed someone. She, then gives herself an abortion and then kills herself. And then pretends that, that, Maybe, that she was killed. Well, yes, that of course. But I mean, that yeah. really is just all in the suicide thing. But it's right. all of these things. It, w- it would be one thing in a movie. That's it. Like, But yeah. to put all of them together, it's crazy. By so, one yeah. character, too. It's not even like exactly. it's multiple characters. One character. One character. It just, just wreaks havoc on everyone. It's just so evil. And yeah, so she's dead. Everything's good, right? No more trouble there. Not at all, because she sent that letter and she totally went in on Ruth and said, hey, actually, Ruth shouldn't have cremated me. I wrote a letter saying I want to be buried. And so she was just trying to get rid of my body. Ruth killed me. And now yes. we're on trial for that. Because she loves Cornell Wilde. That they're yes. in love, and that that was the. And motive. then, as the trial's going on, I mean, of course, it can't be denied. All everything's there, uh, the truth is there. We're also finding out, of course, about how jealous she was. I mean, Richard is, you know, just telling his side of things, kind of getting him to speak about his perspective, which he hadn't really had an opportunity to do so. And mm-hmm. and uh, Vincent Price really rips into him too. He's like, ah. Oh, you like her Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? How'd you yeah. feel about her on uh, Friday? Like, just like yeah. really yeah. wants to know when this whole thing turned around. He gets the answer, and Ruth gets off. Basically, he's able to make such a passionate plea, but they're like, "Well, someone's got to pay for this." So Richard goes to jail for two years because he, as an accessory in Danny's death, because he knew about it. Right. Well, at least there there is an admission through the through the trial that they do actually have feelings for each other more than friendship. That there is that there is a love there uh, yes. between Ruth and and and, uh, and Richard. So it was worth it because he got to meet the love of his life. Sometimes you just have to you know yeah. take a couple extra steps to get there. You yeah. had to lose Danny to do it, but and his wife and spent two years in prison and his unborn child. <laughs> his unborn you know, child, yeah, may have had some attachment to that kid and. Uh, yeah, but after all that, 
he's back on the boat. We're back to the beginning of the book. Far and um, he heads to Roosh. He's waiting for him. And happy ending, ever, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, after all that. Yeah, but what a ride. What a ride indeed. It is a true roller coaster. It's definitely a highly recommended one. Here's my yeah. question to you, Dan. Okay. Would this movie work in black and white? Yes, I think so. I do, but also as well. But I would say it really makes good use of the color. I mean, definitely. I, I think, like, like I said, it's very lush. Yeah, it's 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 almost otherworldly, and that that only adds, I think, to the scope and and the the atmosphere of the film. I think it only adds to it for sure. But yeah, I think it could work in black and white. But yeah, the color. I mean, it's so beautiful looking that you know, doesn't hurt. I'll say that much. There you go. Maybe we could watch this on a black and white TV and find out. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, I used to have one when I was growing up. We had a black and white TV for a while. I did too, and then I went to color, and uh, that was the end of it. Yep, we had one in our kitchen, so we would always, and we had like a, I think we had a, a big old color TV in like the living room, and then if we were in the in the kitchen eating dinner, we would watch a black and white TV. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, we had like yeah, it was basically like there was always the extra black and white, and then eventually when it was like I can have a TV in my room, the first one was yeah. black and white. Yeah. Those are the days. I definitely remember watching like Seinfeld in black and white, <laughs> which was crazy. That's weird. That's very weird. It was very weird, but it, it was fun. Nothing wrong yeah. with it. So this movie was, of course, selected for preservation in the National Film Registry in mm -hmm. 2018. So, of course, that made sense two years later. Let's put this sucker out. Not a lot of the director's movies available. No. Like they like say, a lot of it is, is good stuff. Just never even made it to it, but... A lot of it was pre-code too. Um, that could have something yeah. to do with it. But yeah, no, the, yeah, a lot of his movies, yeah, aren't aren't readily available. That's Bummer. a shame. But you can tell the studio really pushed this one because they spent an exorbitant one hundred thousand dollars to acquire the rights of this one mm -hmm. before it was even published. As he said, they, it paid off. It was actually the second highest grossing film of nineteen forty-five, second only to the Bells of Saint Mary, mm. and earned five thousand dollars in the states in another two overseas. Wow. Or three, two or three. I didn't. I didn't keep that information, but you're, just made making, like seven, you're making up numbers now. <laughs> seven or eight million. Yeah, you know me. I, it's, it, it's just numbers. Who needs this stuff? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. It grossed over eight million. Okay. It was at, and it was actually 20th Century Fox's highest grossing film of that entire decade. Wow, that's great. As it uh, should be. <laughs> as it should be. Of course, the title comes from old Willie Shakespeare's Hamlet. Bill Shakespeare. Yeah, there's a uh, scene where a ghost. Oh, ooh. He uh, urges Hamlet not to seek vengeance against Queen Gertrude, rather to, quote, leave her to heaven and to those thorns that in her bosom lodge to prick and sting her. Ah, the immortal bard, huh? Rolls uh, yeah. right off ye tongue. Yes. If you want to see Ruth, who was played by Janine Crane, by the way, we never mm -hmm. really mentioned that, but it, mm -hmm. it's true. You can't deny it. If you want to see her and Cornell Wilde again, they next year did a movie called Centennial Summer. Which was directed by Otto Preminger. I do like Otto Preminger. I believe I saw it as a musical or something. It is a musical, yeah. yeah. Which I, I can be fifty fifty on, but apparently the movie is about two sisters growing up in Philadelphia in the late eighteen seventies, so Well that's enough for me. Hey. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's Philly. Well that's all the fun facts I've got, Dan. Because we've covered so many of these people before. Chill right. Wills. It is a nickname as we've confirmed. Yes. That was the most fun fact we, we've had on the show, I think. I think so, too. Well, his, um, middle, his middle name is Childress, so, I, you know, I guess, you know, that makes total sense. My middle name is Childress from now on. It should be, yeah. I'll take it. So, check it out. Leave her to heaven. Good film. Yeah, I, I like that it's like, it is like a femme fatale film noir trope, but in a, such a different lens. Like, it's such a different perspective because normally the, the when you think of like a femme fatale you're thinking of in, in the context of like these these like taught murder mystery kind of things and, and like that and, and and i mean there's some elements of that in this movie but for her it's a very like understated in a way you know what i mean like yeah. it's, and, and it's and it's out there's of, no greed involved with it right exactly it's it well the greed is love well, financial greed yeah. yeah exactly yeah usually it's that it's financial greed typically like yeah but in this case it, it's love like she has this such this this need and desire an obsession with love, which is very interesting. It's very interesting. I think we've been doing a good job of delivering films that kind of subvert the femme fatale yes. trope. Yes. Sprinkling about. Yeah. Get Will nice, that continue? Perspective. Find out next week when we cover 1950s The Asphalt Jungle.
Only the author of Little Caesar could tell so dramatic a story. Only the director of the treasure of Sierra Madre could film it with such power. Only once in a decade does the screen come up with such absorbing characters. Sterling Hayden as Dix Handley, a hooligan with a twisted dream. Gene Hagen as Dahl, the dime-a-dance dame who wanted to share that shabby dream. Let me go with you. Please, Dix, please. Are you crazy? I'm on the lamb. I'm wanted bad, packing heat. If there's any trouble, what good would you be? I could drive. I'm wanted on a killing rap. You know what that means. I don't care. I just want to be with you. Louis Calhern as Emmerich, the big-time mouthpiece with crime on his mind. Oh, I suppose a fellow should stick to his own trade, but uh, I know some pretty big men around here that might not be averse to a deal like this if they're properly approached. Highly respectable men, I might add. Sam Jaffe as Doc. He's got a million dollars in that little black bag, and a jitterbug cost him every diamond. Marilyn Monroe as Angela, the easy-living, green-eyed blonde. Haven't you bothered me enough, you big banana head? Just try breaking my door, and Mr. Emmerich will throw you out of the house. James Whitmore as Gus, the strong-arm boy. A right guy in a wrong world. Very much looking forward to this one. Dan just gave two thumbs up, so who yes. knows? And you know what else, Dan? What? Next week, come back for a big announcement. A big announcement? A big announcement. Oh, I don't even know what this is. You do. Oh, I do? Okay. You do. Well, I guess I'll have to wait and see then. I guess so. <laughs> but next week, find out what that big announcement is. We're retiring. <laughs> 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 right, right before episode 30. I mean, we knocked it out of the park with this one. We really could go home. I was going to say, you, you got to leave on a high note. like George We gave Santa. you 29 good movies. Was one of them Roadhouse? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the 89 one. We're not talking about the 48 one. We did both of them, but... I'm saying, well, but we yeah. counted that. If yeah. it was now, I would probably have counted that as a bonus episode, but... Yeah. At the same time, though, it played with April Fool's. It had to be done as such, right. so... In a double indemnity 1973 kind of way. Exactly. Well, that was officially a bonus episode. Yes. But, but we, we, we would kind of lump those together, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see where April Fool's falls next year. Cool. We'll see but what happens. A bonus... Yeah. Fool, right? We're all extra fools. I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. The night is getting loopy. Are you guys saying, saying fooling by Def Leppard now? You are? I said, are you, I was asking you. It sounded like Dan you were is going to sing Def Leppard by fooling. I'm trying hey. to deflect. It's going well. Def Leppard by fooling? <laughs> <laughs> I think you are getting loopy now. <laughs> this, this, this one's gone off the rails. I, I like that song. I, I actually like some Def Leppard songs. I don't, I don't mind some of their songs. Photograph's a good song. Yeah, there's worst bands in the world. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a true statement. And on that note... You want to say anything else? No, I'm good. Well, okay, you don't, you, want, you, don't want, you don't want to rep the, uh, the, the emails and the, uh, the Twitters and the... Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess that's right, huh? That's part of it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. We're here, right? So... Guys, you've been doing such a great job subscribing and listening to these episodes. And we definitely, we're, we see you out there. So thank you so much. Continue yes. to do so. You want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's great. Give us a, a follow on Spotify. We're doing great on Spotify. We're really glad we're finding you there. That's where I listen to podcasts these days. So you're, you're part of it. We're also an anchor podcast at this point. I think they're a Spotify company. So maybe that's huh. why it gets a little extra something. A little oomph. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. I'm just, I, we, we chose a service that got you, got us out there. So it's yeah. working. It's working. We're out there, the, Jerry. We're loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> the real out of the podcast at gmail.com is the email address for us. You guys want stickers, magnets, just let us know. No cost to you. Just saying thanks for being a listener. You can find us on Instagram, out of the podcast, Twitter, out of the cast, and Facebook is out of the podcast as well. Mm. Did you know that? I didn't know we had a Facebook, no. <laughs> we do. I got to do stuff. I, it, it, 
by this time this episode comes out, we're really gonna ramp those up. I say, do we have a Tumblr that I don't know about either, or a Zanga? What? We do have a Zanga. Okay. If you have a and live I, journal, though. And I, I express my uh, feelings, my frustrations with you. Oh, maybe I don't want to read this then. Isn't that what those were for? They were. Well, I, I mean, I, I will admit that I have a live journal about you, about my thoughts on you. So maybe maybe we'll have to link up our Zangas and our live journals together. Maybe we just need to have a conversation, it sounds like. <laughs> it seems like it, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see you maybe for episode 30 after this, right? Yeah. We really are becoming Siskel and Ebert, huh? Yeah, almost. Fucking hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't hate you. Don't worry. I love you, Dan. I know this yeah, is nonsense. There's, there's lots Just of having love. having a goofy time. Couple of master improvisers here. This is why you yeah. come to the show. And, yeah, you're uh, all loopy. You know, <laughs> it's truly. It's been a day. I did. I worked today on a day off. So any anything you got out of me on this episode, you're welcome. Yes, it was a fine episode. Fine. It really was. It's a fine movie. It, it, this thing writes itself. Yeah. I wasn't oh. worried about it. So. Cool. Leave her to heaven and we will leave her to the next episode, Dan. Here's the crime. Here's the crime. Reading.